Hi, I'm Pastor Roger Brown. God has gifted me the pleasure to pastor a dynamic, spirit-filled church called Life Changers Church International right here in Pittsburgh, Kansas. I believe God will use this sermon to impact your life and bring His greatness out of you. Man, I hope you get something out of this that will change your life. God bless you. Your time is very important, so I'm going to get right to the message. Have a wonderful day. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 5. We're on the Outcast series, still still talking about the Outcast. Somebody in here maybe say, well, what is an Outcast? We'll just look in the mirror. Praise God. One time or another, we've, we've been in a place where, where society didn't deem us as as the most righteous and uh, uh, even growing up in church and being in church most of all my life uh, there were still seasons and times in my life where I completely felt like an outcast I knew how to get a hold of God but at, at the same time I was in a position to where I didn't want to go to church to get a hold of God because everybody already knew where I had been they'd seen my name in the paper they had heard about all the stuff going on. They had, uh, uh, and uh, a lot of the stuff that they heard going on, they added more to it. How many knows they add more to it? Yeah. Amen. And so already it just seems like you're just kind of sitting in a position to where you're an outcast. So, so after I got raised up and got out of, out of the house and uh, began my own career, began to travel uh, and, and work, and, and, and things like that. Coming back home was always one of those deals that uh, Saturday night my mom would always remind me, hey, we got church in the morning. And I'd say, yeah. yeah. And so, uh, and so I, I would always avoid it, get up early, leave, find something to do, whatever, because I felt like an outcast. But at that time, what I didn't realize was the enemy was just, was, was just drawing me closer to him, trying to keep me out of the loop of the anointing because here's the thing the anointing is so powerful look at your neighbor and say the anointing it is so powerful that the Bible even talks about the shadow of Peter touching people's life and they got healed it's so powerful that even the apostle Paul talks about taking handkerchiefs that he had put into his garment after he preached and pulled it out and handed it to the people and they would burn their sorcery books and get saved and, and, and change things. The anointing is so powerful that R.W. Shambach talks about praying over M&Ms one time and, and a lady taking it home and her husband eating the M&Ms while watching an NFL football game and getting saved. The anointing is so powerful huh? that it begins to move through people's lives. Huh? It'll cause the drunk to lay the beard down and walk out of the beard joint without a praise team, huh? without a preacher. Come on somebody. Huh? Hey, hallelujah because that's how strong huh? and powerful it is. Huh? The Bible says huh? that the anointing breaks bondages and destroys yokes. See, the yoke was to put around the cow's neck because they wanted to maneuver the cow. But once the cow got fat, the yoke would break. The anointing, when you look under the Greek word of the anointing, it means fatness. Look at your neighbor and say, you're fat today. 
Don't do it, Ross. It's a setup. Don't do it. In the Greek, it means fatness because, because when a cow would get so big and fat, the yoke around his neck would break. They wouldn't come and take it off of it. It would break. They'd have to find another one to put on it. And so here's the thing. When the anointing begins to hit your life, whatever yoke that the enemy has upon you starts to break. You can be driving to work one day and just throw your hands up and say, God, today I want to praise you. I want to give you praise and glory for waking me up. And all of a sudden the devil will, will just whisper in your ear and say, well, that's, that's the first time you've done that in three weeks. And then all of a sudden what he wants to do is make us feel like an outcast. Now listen, don't go three weeks without praising God. It ain't worth it. Just praise him every day. And go home and, and, and look, in, look in the mirror and practice praising him. <laughs> You'll think, I don't ever want to do that in church. I remember when I first got saved and started preaching, I would uh, go in and, and uh, my dad would always have me preaching the, uh, the Wednesday night service or the Sunday night service. And so I'd go home, boy, I'd be praying and stuff, and she'd be cooking some meals and stuff. And, and, and I remember this one time, uh, we, we had some iced tea, and I put, I put me some ice in it. And I went in there, and I was walking to the bedroom. I was trying to think of what I was going to uh, preach, and, and, and I was trying to think how I was going to do this. And so I remember standing up in front of the mirror and, and looking in the mirror and practicing preaching. Now, all you preachers, y'all can say y'all ain't done this before, but don't lie. And I'd practice what I was going to say. And I'd look at myself and I'd practice how I was going to do it. And I mean, I, I would just, I mean, I would, I would just look at myself and I'm going to say this and I'm going to say that. And I was holding that glass of tea and he was going. <laughs> My wife said, uh, Roger? I go, what? What are you doing? I was just drinking my tea. <laughs> but she could hear me in the other room going. <laughs> And I would get up in front of the pulpit to preach, and I would stand there and do this. Uh, <laughs> Everything that I imagined that I was going to do never happened. But the more that I stayed underneath that anointing, and the more that God began to move upon my life, the more that I begin to praise him, the more that I begin to give him praise, the more that I begin to glorify him, the more I got fat inside of God. Amen. Let me tell you something right now. When the enemy looks at your life, he wants you to be malnutrition. He wants you to be real skinny so he can take you down. But when you get inside of God and you get that healthy thing inside of God and the anointing and the fatness of God uh, begins to move upon your life uh, then bondages bondages and yokes uh, are completely broke off uh, and listen to me church didn't do it praise team didn't do it uh, a good message from the preacher didn't do it uh, but the anointing showed up uh, and moved upon your life uh, and broke those things when we talk about outcasts there, there's one here in the book of Luke and Luke chapter 5 and uh, this is a familiar story we have read this many times uh, give me about 15 minutes and I'll have you home cooking hamburgers and skiing behind the boat here in just a minute Luke chapter 5 verse number 17 stand to your feet for this reading of the word would you Luke chapter 5 verse number 17 
Now it happened on a certain day. Look at your neighbor and say certain day. Look at him and tell him that could be Monday through Sunday. A certain day. See, sometimes we think that, well, if I get to church on Sunday, God's going to do it. I want you to come because I believe he's going to. But let me tell you something. He can do it on Monday. He can do it while you got the worst news in an email or on a phone call or through a text. God can do it. He is, he, he is not sitting back and waiting and trying to figure out how he's going to get this blessing to you. I need to tell somebody, God's already provided the blessing. What he's doing now is providing you for the blessing. It's already there. Everything you ever went through in your life, God's providing you for the blessing because here's the thing. Thing. There's some things he can't give you right now because you can't handle it. You can't handle it. There's got to be a maturity. Now, it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there was a Pharisee, that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee. Isn't it amazing how, how the enemy will come from everywhere just to be a part of the anointing? Just to be a part of the anointing. I, I, I'm going to get to it in just a minute. Hang on. Just to be a part of the anointing, the enemy will come everywhere. Everybody say, I love the preacher. And we have an opportunity to come underneath the anointing. And sometimes we come just lacking, wondering, careless. I wish he'd hurry up. But the enemy will come from everywhere just to be a part of that anointing. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Then behold, men brought a bed, and a man was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up to the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. When he saw their faith, not the man's faith, but the one bringing them, come on somebody, you got to have enough faith to bring them. When he saw their faith, he said to him, I better read this. Hang on. Man, your sins are forgiven. I like that. Man, dude, your sins are forgiven. Homie, your sins are forgiven you. Come on. Girlfriend, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But Jesus perceived their thoughts. He answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Rise up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he rose up before them, took up the bed that he was lying on, and departed in, in his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. 
Dear gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, begin to move on this place. Uh, Heavenly Father, Lord, begin to fill their hearts and their minds. Uh, when they walk out of this place, let that anointing God, uh, let it linger. Uh, Heavenly Father, Lord, that when they walk into their homes, they walk into the restaurants, uh, wherever they would go, that that anointing would linger. Heavenly Father, it would jump on those. Uh, Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, I pray today that every one of them walk out of here possessed with the power of the Holy Ghost. Uh, Heavenly Father, Lord, to torment hell in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. You may be seated. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, get up and walk. As we begin to discover this story here, and we have uh, preached it in here several times, and, and, and we've read it several times, and we talk about it several times, but the Bible has many keynotes in here as, as uh, Jesus is telling the parable. First of all, he's saying that there was an enemy that was present around him. Don't you know that any time the enemy wants to show up where you're at and threaten you, that there is, there is a breakthrough right around the corner? Every time he wants to show up and try to torment you, God has something to back it up. He only shows up because he smells the anointing. Did you know the enemy can smell the anointing? He can smell the anointing because the Bible said uh, that God gave Moses the perfume uh, to make the anointing oil, uh, and every time it would flow, and when God gave him uh, the, the ingredients to do it, it was the exact, exact same ingredients uh, that heaven had. Uh, it wasn't a copy. It wasn't a makeover. It wasn't a $10 bottle of perfume uh, that you can buy for $100 somewhere else in the mall. You know what I'm talking about. My wife would say, stay out of there. And I said, boy, I won't smell good. She said, it ain't worth it. You won't smell good but about five or ten minutes. I said, no, it's just $10. And I think what happens a lot of times is we want to get the fragrance that the world is throwing off or what we feel like, but it's a knockoff and it won't stay. When we went to the Netherlands to preach, my wife bought me this bottle of uh, clone. I almost said perfume. Dear God. Bottle of clone. And and it was a real small bottle, but man, it cost a lot, but it was from the Netherlands, and I wanted it. And and I can spray, I can just, just a hint is all I got to do. And it stays because it's real. It's the real clone. And it stays. It, 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 just, it, it just stays on your clothes, and it stays on your body. And, and the uh, the anointing that God has provided, he told Moses, he said, he said, here's the ingredients, and here's what I want you to make. And he said, and when you anoint Aaron and, and, and his sons, I, I want you to anoint them with this anointing oil. This is what I want you to anoint them with. They will be my chosen men, and they will speak what I tell them to speak, and they will speak for me on my behalf. And don't you know that the enemy, he smelled that the same thing. He, 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 it all come back to remembrance. He thought, oh, no, the same thing that was in heaven is now here on earth. Now I got to put up with it here. I thought I didn't have to deal with it, but now I got to put up with it here. And I want you to know that there was something about a fragrance. As you begin to go through God and the anointing begins to move, did you know that when you're praising God and all of a sudden doing a praise and worship song and you get the chili bumps, anybody ever get the chili bumps? Praise God. All of a sudden there is a fragrance that's 
that's released from your body and the enemies he, he's attracted. Don't you kid yourself or not one bit. When you get anointing, anointed, the enemy is not going to run, but he's attracted to that because he want, he's, he's mesmerized how God can take that thing that he's got and put it upon your life in a crisis when you're mourning, when, 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 when you lost everything, when, when the bank is called and you're going bankrupt, when you don't have anything left, but the anointing shows up in the room and you can raise your hand in distress and the chili buffs begin to move and the fragrance is released. Satan is come looking to try to see what it is that makes you do that. Bible said that when Jesus told the disciples go to the other side, the Bible said that they got in the boat and while they was going, then a storm came. Now anybody in their right mind would have never got on the boat with a storm cloud. There was no storm cloud. They matter of fact, the storm cloud didn't even show it. The Bible calls it a tempest. And this kind of storm happened underneath underneath the surface where you couldn't see. Matter of fact, some say it was probably an earthquake that called a, a tsunami type, type part of winds and waves that began to blow. They never seen it coming, but the tempest that began to move, it began to shake the waters and the winds got up and, 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 and the waves began to move, move in and they never seen it coming and Jesus already moved to the other side and the Bible says when you read that Jesus saw them while he was on the mountain and went out to them. That gives me great encouragement to know that he's always watching me. That when the storms come, I'm not to fear the storm because I know that my Savior, the lover of my soul, is coming to get me. But the Bible said he told him to go to the other side because there was a reason. There was an outcast that was sent to the other side of the land. This man had so many devils in him that the Bible said uh, that he began to break uh, chains uh, and he, he began to break everything uh, that they would bind him with uh, and they couldn't do nothing with him. Uh, and so they cast him out uh, and an outcast uh, on an island all by himself. Uh, and, <coughs> and Jesus shows up uh, and he thinks, hmm, I'm going to do what the others can't do. Yeah. Ain't, you, ain't you so glad that you got a God that will do what nobody else can do? that wants to do what nobody else can do. He told the disciples to go to the other side. The Bible said that when he calmed the storm and they showed up, and the Bible said on the island of, of uh, Genesaret, I believe is the name of it, uh, as Jesus began to walking, uh, walking, what happened? Uh, what happened was the demon-possessed man uh, that was on an island by himself, uh, he come running to Jesus uh, because, uh, because the devil that was in him, uh, he smelt that fragrance uh, and that anointing, uh, and he ran to Jesus uh, and bowed down uh, at the feet uh, of our Lord and Savior, can I tell you right now that the anointing, when it moves up on your body, a lot of the church people are still sleeping. They're like Laodicea in the church. They're still sleeping, but all hell has got his eyes up and all things, and he's come running to you, but there's more power in your big toe than there is in all the places of hell when the anointing is in your life. 
It's just we don't, we don't realize it. We don't see it because the enemy keeps making us think that we're outcasts that we don't deserve. I don't know, preacher. I don't want to go down there uh, to church. I mean, I was there a couple weeks, and God was doing really good. But, you know, I got back with my homies and, and started doing some things. And, and a couple of them life changers see me in places I shouldn't be. I don't want to show back up. I just don't want, you, you know, because I don't want them to think. Here's a word the enemy likes to use. Don't be a hypocrite. Doesn't it? He likes to beat your mind up. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't go in there worshiping God on Sunday and then go out and do those things. And, and he takes us and, and it makes us feel like an outcast. And so what we do is we stay on the outskirts of the anointing until we find a God to where we can't move. We can't get nowhere. There was a man that couldn't get nowhere. There was a man that was paralyzed. And I know maybe all of you are, are, are not in that place to where your legs can't, can't move. But in the spirit, I believe that he's paralyzed you and you're not able to move to God. He's paralyzed you because of the things that's happened in your life. He's paralyzed you because of the mistakes. I'm not talking about the mistakes while you were sinning out in the world, but I'm talking about the mistakes after you got saved and got into church and you stumbled and fell and somebody saw you and looked down their self-righteous nose and told you what a Christian's not supposed to do. And then you stay on the outside. You hear about revival, and you show up because you need it. You need it, and you know you need it, and you show up, but you feel so guilty. I don't know who I'm talking to in here today, but you feel so guilty and tired because, because you want to stop what's going on. You want to get out of the things that's going on. And some of you, I need to tell some of you in here tonight or today, I need to tell you that there's a lot of things going on in your life that is not even your fault. You're not to blame for it. It's generational curses that's been handed down in the family line. And you don't even understand why you do that. Your mama did that and you hated her for it. You didn't like her for it. Your daddy beat your mama and you're beating your wife and you don't like it. But it's a curse that's been handed down and you've been trying to come to church and trying to figure it out. And everybody's pointing, their, my God, who am I talking to? And everybody's pointing their finger trying to figure out what's going on. Let me tell you something this morning. When the anointing and the fragrance of God Get on your life. You will get up and walk again. You'll get up and walk again. This, this man couldn't get there. But he had four life changers. They changed his life, y'all. We're going to call them life changers. He had four life changers. That showed up. When you watch the series Chosen, and I was going to show a clip here about this part of it, and I just, it just kind of, I just had this preaching me. I just, I, I just knew I was going to go anyway. I like how the author begins to throw this in because, because these men here that Jesus is showing up, and they show up to the house, but they can't get in. Because there's too many people. 
this is just me saying here. One of them says, hey, man, what about old Bub? Hope your name ain't Bub, but anyway. <coughs> yeah, but man, even if we go down and get him, how's he going to get there? We can't get to the front door. I mean, there's so many people, they keep showing up. Yeah, but look, 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 look. Oh, see her? She was blind. There was a blind woman. She said, we got to go get him. Now, people's getting healed. Oh, look, 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 he, he's, look, look, that's the man that couldn't hear. He's here. Oh, we got to go get him. He's here. We can't miss our opportunity to bring, come on, somebody. Don't you get in your self-righteous Cadillac and drive yourself to church. Listen to Caleb with the air conditioner on while your neighbors are dying and going to devil's hell. Why? Why don't you go find them? My God, if you can't get them here, call me. I'll call Uber or go get them myself. They started seeing miracles happen and take place. One of them says, dude, we got to go get him. We got to go. One says, what are we going to do? Another says, I don't know. We'll think of something. And when they got him, I don't think that they intended to climb up on top of the house. I think that when they got there, one of them said, hey, you know what? I don't care what it takes. They can do whatever they want to. But we got to get this man to Jesus. Let's climb up on the roof. Let's tear a hole in it. And let's drop him right smack down ah, in the middle of his lap and he's got no excuse to walk away. Show up, tear a roof on the top of the house and lower Jesus down and the first thing Jesus said was your sins are forgiven. Now here's where that lying devil has showed up because he's sitting around trying to figure out something that he can use against him concerning the law. But they forgot the scripture that Isaiah said uh, that he will come uh, not to destroy the law, uh, but to fulfill the law. He was a fulfillment uh, of the law of all things. And as he's sitting by the law-abiding citizens, uh, he breaks another record. Come on, somebody. He joins the team uh, of the outcasts, uh, and he does the unspeakable. He does the thing uh, that most of the good Christians don't do. Uh, he stands up in the middle of it, uh, and he says, your sins are, are forgiven. Here's the crazy thing about it. Now, this is just me and my imagination. You can preach it the way you want to preach it when you got the mic. But here's, here's my imagination. He's sitting there having a conversation with the devil, and the man got healed and didn't even realize he got healed. Jesus didn't say, hey, bring me a doctor and let's examine him again. <laughs> well, while Jesus was handling the devil, somebody needs to hear this. When the anointing moves upon your life, you shut your mouth and you let God do the work because he knows how to tell the devil where to go. He can tell the devil, I don't want to say that in church, praise God. But he tells him exactly where to put it. I said it anyway. Use your own imagination. 
Ooh, you are outcast, ain't you? Sometimes. So he's arguing with the enemy, taking care of the enemy, and he simply told the man, your sins are forgiven. And the man's sitting there, and he's watching the greatest greatest debate to ever take place as Jesus begins to give them what for. And Jesus said, what is it easier? Is it easier to me for me to say, your sins are forgiven, or for me to say, rise up and walk? And then he looks at the man, and I believe that only Jesus can. And he smiles, and he says, Get up and walk. Now listen. Here's this man sitting there on this cot. And he's watched everything going on. It's quiet in that place. And Jesus is debating with all, all, all of the Sanhedrin. He, he's debating with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes. And he, he, he's sitting there having a debate with them. And then God stops in the middle of it. He just stops. It's like he tells the devil, speak to the hand, buddy. I ain't got time to mess with you right now. And he looks at the man that has already been healed but doesn't know that. Come on, somebody. But doesn't know. Some of you sitting in here right now, the anointing is moving on your life and there's things shifting. Ah, there's people leaving. There's devils falling off of you right now underneath this anointing in this room and God is doing some things. I need to tell somebody, get up and walk. You let me have that trailer one now. Get up! Walk. You've been sitting around in your bad situation, been feeling sorry for yourself, and mad at me. <laughs> you mean people get mad at you, preacher? All the time. <laughs> Every day. <laughs> Every day. You're mad at God. You put on the best display that you could. You've been so good for a week. You've watched what you said. You fasted. You was sure to open your Bible app every day. You've done everything you could do. But the Bible says it's not what a man does that makes him righteous. Because the Bible says, our righteousness as as our filthy rights to God. But it's the righteousness of God that moves upon you. Now you've been laying there. You've already been healed. My God, somebody hear me. You've already been set free. Freedom is already there. The only thing that you're lacking at this point is to get up out of your situation and walk. Come on, somebody. Maybe you'll get it now. Maybe you'll get it on your drive home. Maybe you'll get it at midnight tonight. Maybe you'll cut a rug in the middle of your house while nobody was there. Maybe you'll have your own rodeo at 2 o'clock in the morning and shuck and buck all over that place. Come on, somebody. I don't know about you, but it's time to get up. Man, 
conservar. Thermia, thermium, thermilus. <laughs> Dear God, where'd that come from? <laughs> the amazing thing. Is it when the man got up, the Bible said that he started praising God. Jesus didn't say go to Walmart. He didn't say go to uh, uh, go to uh, KOAM. He didn't say go to CNN. He said go home. Why did he tell him to go home? Because the anointing on his life was producing a fragrance that when he walked in the door, everybody in his family was gone was going to get the break I'm about to, I don't know what to do with myself I was going to get the break too while the anointing's on your life go home deal with the stuff that, that you don't want to deal with I can't deal with my family preacher my family's just crazy somebody else I might send a Dr. Phil Oprah Winfrey something I just can't deal with them you need to deal with it and the reason why you can't deal with it is because the anointing ain't on your life to deal with it but when he says get up and walk let that anointing take you home some of us got families that's jacked smooth up some of us got families that have been strung out for 20 years. We got families whose lives is beat up and tore up and messed up. We just go to church on Sundays. I hope I make some of you mad. Might have to do something about it. We just go to church on Sundays and we talk about how bad our family is. But never once have we left church and walked right up to the middle of the house knocked on their door. I dare some of you just to go knock on their door. And when they open up that door, take that size seven and a half, praise God, and plant it right in the middle of their door and just tell them, the Bible said every place that the sole of my foot tread shall be mine. Ah, come on, somebody, get radical and start doing something instead of just performing. We got the performance down. We got the bumper stickers. We got the riffraff t-shirts. We got the misfit t-shirts. We got the Bible app. We go to church. We got a church. We got a Sunday church clothes and a Thursday church clothes. And we know and, and there's a performance going on. But let me tell you something. When the anointing hits your life, it is for a reason. cooking hamburgers in a minute. <laughs> we joined a club. I'll do it over here. You can join a bingo club and give them your money. You can join the Harley clubs and give them your money. 
You can join the church club and give them your money. And still, not take this anointing that's on your life and move to the people who need it. That's the only thing I'm going to tell you. Bible says this man left praising God. Now some of you good Baptists <laughs> this is how you do it. Some of you Pentecostals that's how you walk to the stage. just said he left praising God. And I don't know if he was life changing praise or just glad. Either way, every time he opened up his mouth on the way home, every devil that was stationed in that place followed him. See, that's what some of your problem is right now. You come to church and you get your groove on. And I mean, time you get halfway home, you and your wife get into a fight where you're going to eat. Something don't happen just right. And the devil's just following you. And he's following you. Why? Because he's smelling. He's a trying. He can't help it. He can't help it. That's what God created him in that anointing. That's all he smells. It's a smell he'll never get over. It's a smell he'll never get past. He can never have it because, because his destiny's already been set. He can never get it back again. The only closest thing he's ever got is to get close to somebody who smells like it. And it just drives him crazy because he don't understand. Because he's seen you last week doing things you shouldn't be doing, but you're smelling like heaven today. And he don't know, but he's trying to follow you. He wants to follow you. And, and praise God. And while you're moving, the devil and all the other devils, that's in your house. They come running out, and when they come running out, you walk in, and they can't get back in. See ya. Woo! Woo. Well, preacher, my family's just a hard nut to crack. They won't receive it from me. Devil's been lying to you. And what happens is, is you've been too busy. If I make you mad, that means I've done my job right. I've got three rights. But the problem is, is we've been too busy pointing our finger, griping about the situation. Let me tell some of you something right now. Y'all hear me real good. You will never, ever be able to shame a dope addict. You can try it all you want to. You can Facebook post it. You can put your finger in their face. You will never, ever be able to shame a dope addict or an alcoholic or a woman beater or a womanizer or somebody on pornography. You will never be able to shame them. It's going to take that fragrance. 
to take that spell. And we're losing it before we get there. tell you this. That when I take this place or anybody that I call to take this place, I believe in them or, or they would not be here. When they stand on this stage to deliver the word, the anointing brings a fragrance. We can't just all foo-foo it up. Just go doing our thing. Sometimes we got to be the evangelist of the family. Sometimes we got to be the missionary of the family. Sometimes we got to be the guts of the family. And there's people just wanting to be free. Don't you know that that dope head, that dope addict, that alcoholic, that womanizer, that woman beater, that man on pornography, that woman on pornography, that prostitute, that pimp, don't you know that they don't want to be there where they're at? They don't know how to get free. They don't know how to get out. All they need to do is find a church that believes in the fragrance. All they got to do is find a church. They will tell them, get up and walk. I'll walk with you. I'll come and get you. I'll tear the roof down to get you in there. It doesn't matter. It's not about me. It's not about what. What I'm doing. It's about what he came to do. It's about setting lines free. Every head bow, please.
building this morning you're in this building you say preacher I don't know Jesus preacher I didn't know him but I've left some things back into my life and I'm not where I need to be I've been doing what you've been talking about I've been walking on the outskirts of the church I've been watching it from a distance Every now and then when the crumbs fall from the table, preacher, I crawl and I grab what I can. Preacher, today, right now, today, I don't want to be that bum on the outside anymore. I want to fully embrace him and know him and know that there is a fragrance on my life that is touching other people's lives. Preacher, today I want to make that decision. Today. There's a lot of things I need to break away from. There's a lot of things I need to be delivered from. But preacher, today I want to start with the first thing. I want to give my life to Jesus. Maybe you're watching me by camera. Maybe you're here in the building. Just raise your hand if that's you. Anybody in here? I want to give my life to him. I see the hand. 